I'm Julie Hyde, and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset, and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. Russo is a powerhouse. She is a highly sought after communication, leadership, and mindset expert. She is a speaker, international three-time award-winning author, facilitator, educator, and coach. She works with leaders, teams, and organizations to energize mindset and accelerate communication, collaboration, and leadership to lift performance and culture. Her sole purpose is to make workplaces exceptional places to work. And I absolutely love that. And we're going to be chatting about her third book, The Gift Mindset, Unwrap the 12 Gifts to Lead and Live a Life of Purpose, Connection and Contribution. So welcome, Renee. Oh, so good to be here, Julie. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Now, I'd love to start with this question. If you were the leader of the world for a day, what is the one thing you would change and why? There's a million things I'd like to change, but I think one thing I'd love to change is for every living being to have respect for each other and appreciate their differences. That, That is probably one of the biggest things that I think If that was changed, so many bad things would be avoided. Mm. So why do you think that's important besides like the bad things that would be avoided? You know, people want to be right because they want to be right. There's a lot of ego out there. There's a lot of I'm normal, you're not, all this sort of thing. And I think even in leadership teams, when I see people appreciate the diversity of each other, and leverage those differences, magic happens. And I think as all of us, we're all human beings, we're all connected whether we like it or not. And I think really thinking about that and ways to work together instead of against each other, I think would make the world a better place. Mm, Absolutely, I agree. And it's a really great segue into what we're talking about today. So, Renate, you do incredible work and I really resonate with your book The Gift Mindset. As we know, mindset is everything. So what is the catalyst for writing your book? The short story is I went through a lot as a child. You know, my my parents split up, stayed amicable and I always looked at the positive in that. You know, I had two birthday cakes or whatever. Changed school six times. So in year nine, I changed high school. So I was up against a lot of things at a young age and then I lost my dad when I was 23 and he was 49, so a year younger than me today. And I've always managed to go, you know, that's crappy, I'm not condoning it or loving it, but what is a gift in it? And in the case of my dad, he was an entrepreneur in the 70s and 80s. I had a pretty big corporate career, then went out on my own 17 years ago And I've got his entrepreneurial spark. And when he passed on, I thought, 
There were so many ideas he had and he was an ideas person like me. I need to live that legacy. It was like a light switched on. So I started using the term gift mindset and probably for the last 10 years with clients, what's the gift in that? And this language really resonated with people. And then I sat back and I thought this was before COVID. I thought I'm going to write my book in 2021. And then through the lockdowns, I did, I think it was eight weekends, I wrote the book. And, you know, those that have it, it's a pretty big book and it was cut back. I channeled the book. And what I want people to really grasp is if we welcome the unwelcome, even if it's not great, but learn to unwrap the gifts in challenging people and situations and positive people and situations, what did we learn from those experiences and how, I guess, can we use them to progress ourselves and others forward? So the book's gone into schools. It's gone into the CEO Institute. It's everywhere. So it it is applicable to anyone. And then I got thinking about, I have a thing with 12s. What are the 12 key things that we all skills we can deepen and develop when we have this mindset. So I came up with 12 key skills we can develop and share our lessons through. So, you know, the gift of optimism, the gift of curiosity, and there's practical tips to build those muscles, but also to create forums in teams to share stories around them. I love this. So that was so much change going back to like your childhood that you went through so no doubt that really helped you build up the resilience and you were looking for the gift in things then do you think that stemmed from your your dad's attitude to life yeah my dad and my mum and my stepdad we've got a really close family I just feel I've always been that person sometimes I think I can be you know, you can be optimistic, you can be cautiously optimistic, you can be overly optimistic, that's me. I will find the good in anything or anyone, sometimes to my detriment, but the pivotal turning point was with my dad. But, you know, Julie, when I started writing the book and mapping it out, two weeks before COVID hit, so didn't even know that was going to happen, and then my sister got diagnosed with breast cancer, my little sister who's my best friend, and then COVID and we lost 90% of the business and I'm writing this book on weekends going, really, is there a gift? Should I write this? And I stopped writing for a little bit and then I went, no, nah, people need this. I want to get this message out. But I think it's just about, you know, if I think of workplaces and you'd see this as well, a lot of workplaces that are Pollyanna, you know, don't talk about your mistakes, don't talk about challenges and what I'm trying to create are workplaces where that psychological safety is real people are encouraged to share challenges and mistakes but how they got through them so that that could be a survival guide for somewhere someone else Mm, I like that we've got the challenge or the problem it's like how did you sort of get yourself through that which is you know really powerful to people to hear it is I think Australia is a bit of a what place everything's what there's not enough how my eyes I ran a team feedback thing last week and it was I did this and I did this and I did this and well done on that and I said so everyone share one thing you learned from doing that and they all looked at me and then they couldn't stop talking 
But it's also successes, Julie. There's companies and people that I don't want to share my team's amazing because they'll copy me or I don't want to share I won an award because it looks like I'm gloating. So there's seven key barriers that stifle creating a gift mindset culture. Being judged in the research I did was the number one. Yes, it's so true. We have a big tall poppy syndrome in Australia. It's huge. And particularly when you're working in big business or corporate, there's that real competitiveness as well. So it's like you gloat about your team and then your great team members are going to get pinched. That defensive mentality? There is. And it's, Look, you need to be a bit cautious. I wrote an article recently called Are You Punishing Your High Performers? And it was one of the ones I was a bit nervous about posting, but I'm seeing it. People that are so good at their roles that they go, we're not going to replace your counterpart now and we're going to increase your sales forecast, you know, that sort of thing. But if we're sharing enough, then that's all coming out. And, you know, one in three or four people in Australia at the moment have been assessed in some way about their mental health. So it's a gift mindset is a well-being mindset where it comes under well-being. And I think start small, you know, if you're listening out there, if you've got a team, start win Wednesdays, right? So what what's a small win, big win? How did I get to that? And a failure Friday. What did I stuff up but what did I learn? We have a lot of my clients doing that and ongoing I love it. So I think when we were chatting initially, we thought we might talk about two mindsets if we have time. So what would you like to tap into first? I think one that's quite current is the gift of curiosity. Like COVID, all of us, we're all the same, right? I call COVID a pass the parcel gift. It was handed to us and we opened it up and we didn't know what we were going to get. And I think about curiosity, we had to be, and you would have been the same, Julie, we, we were a bit online, we had to convert 400 workshops online, we had to get curious about technology, curious about new ways of being and doing. Curiosity is a really great one for teams looking for collaboration because if you get your team together and come up with ideas and create something, even if you don't implement it, you co-creative and the byproduct of that, I believe, is collaboration. So just provocating and questioning the way things are done, not, not to the detriment, but there was a story years ago, Julie, I heard, I think I'm just going to own it because I cannot find out the source. There was this lady that made the traditional Australian lamb roast every Sunday and her husband said, why do we always have to cut the leg of lamb in half? So he'd saw through that bone. She said, We've always done it. So she rang her sister. Sister goes, I don't know why we do it. Ring mum. Mum, why do we cut the leg of lamb in half? No idea. Ring your grandma. Grandma, why have we always cut the leg of lamb in half? And the grandma said, I don't know. I just had a small oven. I love that as a bit of a metaphor or analogy around, you know, don't just do something the way it's always been done. Challenge the status quo and the best way to do that is be curious and some people go but how do you be curious some people are naturally curious biggest tip I can give anyone is flip your statements into questions so if I'm a a leader in a business and I go oh that team's amazing 
That's a statement. If I go, what makes that team amazing? Straight away, it opens possibility and learning and action. I think what you're talking about really links back to if you were leader of the world for a day, that respect piece because curiosity is huge in that, like just not assuming that you know the answer or not having that empathy for someone else. So so why is someone behaving that way today? Something's not right. Can I ask a question about that? I totally agree. I mean, appreciating diversity of thought in businesses where we've got a game we've bought out, a team game that you can only play in the flesh. And it's all about talking about a topic for it and then against it evenly weighted. So having respect for that idea evenly weighted and then the rest of your group give you feedback on different communication tips. And it's amazing how many people go, you know, I'll give you an example. We ran a bit of a trial session with a group and one of the managers said, this card I have to talk about for a minute says, good leaders coach. I don't agree with it. And I said, why don't you pretend for one minute that you do? So we went, I don't agree with it for a minute. Then we turned the timer on. I agree with it. And he came up to me afterwards and said, yeah, all this stuff came out. I actually was on the wrong side of the fence. We all think a lot and we know this, it's the the quality, powerful questions will come to a much better answer or solution. Yes. Yes, I love that. So the gift of curiosity, I totally agree. And so what's your second one? The other one I'm thinking about is optimism, the gift of optimism. I had that called the gift of positivity initially. When I researched it, positivity is, I'm going to have the best day today at last five minutes. It's in the moment. Optimism is hope for now and the future, so it has longevity and it's one of the top traits of any successful leader or anyone in life and work. You don't want to be too Pollyanna. I always say to people, if you're having a crappy day or something's wrong, let your team know, just don't make it every day. But optimism is really focusing on what we do have opposed to what we don't. That's a key. So if you're got a big project on at work and all you everyone's talking about is the end of the year, make sure you stop and create a progress journal. What have we achieved? Human beings, we always look at the lack side. It's a natural thing. And a question I ask in all my workshops is what makes you optimistic? Victor Purton, he's the um, CEO of the Centre of Optimism, amazing. He's in my book. I actually interview him on the gift of optimism he went around the world, so women women washing in the rivers in India to white-collar workers, and he said, what makes you optimistic? And just that question changes your mindset. So we do that at the start of workshops, and some people go, you know, oh, my, my daughter gave me the biggest hug today, or during COVID I saw eight little kids lining up at Mr Whippy, and it was locked down and I walked past and they were all so excited and, you know, just find what those things are for you and it's energy. People feel it. Yes, 100% I agree with that. Is that linked to um, gratitude? Oh, I love it. I believe optimism and gratitude are the linchpin to resilience. So when we're 
optimistic and focus on what we do have. Gratitude comes in, which is another gift. And, you know, whatever you call it in your workplace, recognition, praise, gratitude, feedback, it is one of the key reasons people are leaving workplaces because they're not receiving that recognition. So who and what are you grateful for? It's a question I ask myself every day I get up. You know, you can create a gratitude journal. Everyone's different. I used to. I tend to just wake up, give myself a minute to think about what I'm grateful for. And a lot of teams, Julie, are doing the three to one I've set up. So for every negative, people have to come up with three positives. That would test some people. We are, as humans, slanted towards the negative. That's how we're wired. So I know that particularly going through my journey, I really have to focus on being optimistic and gratitude for what I'm really, really thankful for. And there's a lot. I think when you go through a diagnosis, like there's a lot. But it also gives me hope. And hope is like a key thing. It's just, it's what you need. Everyone needs hope. So I think that's also a real benefit of being optimistic. You said hope. The definition of optimism is hope for now and the future. So you're right. So it's not about just, you know, an ad hoc thing, but it's more about looking ahead and seeing the light and then focusing on what you do have and just the little steps to get there. You know, that saying, you can't eat an elephant in one bite, breaking it down. If you're doing overwhelm or going through a journey like, you know, you are and I know my sister is, it is breaking it down. And being in the moment and not doing. I always say we've become human doings, not human beings. So going back to who do I need to be before I do anything? And I'm guilty of it. I'm a doer. Sometimes I'm like, who am I being? I'm not being focused at the moment. I'm doing a million things. Come back. So that's really important as well. Yes, yes. I was always so incredibly focused on doing and I was really proud of that you know get shit done girl and just tick off the huge to-do list I took um, a moment actually to look back on my diary from before October 21 which is when I was diagnosed and that was obviously in COVID times and it was packed back-to-backs And I was just reflecting, going, why did I do that? Why did I feel the need to do that? And clearly, you know, it's a habit that you get into. That's what you align success to. So that's another thing that we spoke about when we initially connected is like, we've got to make sure that we do things that light us up. Oh, that's my mantra in life. I think though, just going back to what you said, when you're in something and it's habitual, you don't realise it. And I think we do, I get it too, it's almost like productivity addiction or I have what I call, I don't know if it's a real thing, closure addiction. I hate things outstanding. Even as a kid, I wasn't a good student, I'd cram, but I'd try and do my homework as the bell went so I didn't have to do it at night. All my books I've written in under three months and I think it's part of your identity but I'm this, you know, I've had some health concerns recently and I'm re-evaluating my business model and all of that sort of thing. But you do you look back at some, I look back at last week and went, how have I done that? But you do it, right? And I do love what I do. That's probably why I'm like that. But do what lights you up. 
motivation, what motivates you is 65% of your success and happiness in any role. So you can be good at something like a lot of people are, but if you're not good at something you enjoy, and that's a really good exercise to do, two columns, what am I good at? What am I good at that I enjoy in the second column? And it could look very different. Yes. Funny, I read just this morning something from James Clear, which is aligned to exactly what you said. He talks about discipline compared to motivation. So you can be really disciplined and absolutely hate what you're doing. And it'll be a really hard slog. But if you're motivated, it makes it so much easier and you'll be so much more productive. It's the fuel, right? If you put high octane, well, I don't know a lot about cars, but high octane fuel in a car, it's going to run better than if you put something else in it. And I think there's so many people, Julie, that I, especially in keynotes, I go, who's good at what they do? And everyone's like, yeah, pick me, pick me. And then I go, who loves what they do? Who doesn't get the Sunday night dreads and loves it? And all the hands go down. Life's too short. We spend 90,000 hours, I reckon it's more, at work. Like, You've got to be, you know, it, we've got our own businesses and there's bits I'm sure you don't like doing and I don't like doing, but my biggest tip is know what lights you up and do it on a Monday morning because that sets the tone for the whole week. If you love team meetings and they're Friday Arvo, do the Monday morning. If you love people and connection, be in the office on a Monday. Don't get caught up in this no one booze in the office Monday and Friday thing. Exactly. That's a real thing at the moment. I know a lot of leaders are trying to change that. Um, You know, your energy is so infectious and you have so much of it. Like you're just a little pocket rocket. You just go and go and go. This is me a bit tired today. You know, there's days I'm not probably as energetic as I normally am, but I've always been like very little sleep since I was a child, very energetic feel like I'm here on a bit of a mission, which at the moment is, you know, with companies and leaders, helping people realise and achieve what's possible. But also I've started bringing in a lot of emotional clearing into my coaching and group sessions and I just feel like it's always been there but now I'm owning it and being open. We're doing a clearing. And if you're listening and going, oh, God, is this the same girl that was on two minutes ago? Clearing's basically looking at your body is like a pipe, your energetic centre. We get blockages in certain parts that are related to certain elements and mindsets. So I do things to clear that out and bring coaching in as well and muscle testing and really been bringing it in probably the last two months and just some amazing, and I, I use it with my sister, I use it on myself as hygiene in the morning, I do a full clear I'm a huge believer in that. I think people are becoming a lot more open to it. I think the pandemic has opened people's minds up that, you know, there is more internally and externally. And, look, the stuff I do is not woo-woo sage sticks. It's like 14th century philosophy that has stood this test of time. And it's a modality that brings in a lot of other modalities and, Look, I will be really upfront. I had an engineer the other week and we we're doing a really deep session and she kept going surface level, you know, with coaching. And I said, I want to do something. She goes, what? And I go, do you trust me? She goes, yeah, very left brain, very statistical. What? Where's this from? I'm like, 
just shush, let me just do it. So we did this clearing and I had three emails off her within three days, a day of each other. My husband said I look different, I feel different, my confidence, I don't know if it was that, but something's clicked. And that's happened a few times. But, look, I only bring it in when I'm very intuitive, when I feel it's the right time and the person's up for it. But, you know, Julie, go back 20 years, right, you never talk about values in a business. You talk about what's important to you. You never use the word values, now we do. So I think it's changing. People are becoming more not just one-dimensional. Yes, so good. So I think we could talk forever and I'm going to share all the links to get in touch with you on the show notes because I'm sure that people want to know more and also tune into your podcast and get your amazing books. So is there a final note that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Just be open to welcoming and embracing the unwelcome. And I'm not saying look for it, but if something comes your way, say to yourself, what have I been through like this before? Because anything you've done, you can do again. And what can I learn from it? Because it's going to hit you anyway. So why not embrace it with a different mindset so it gives something back to you? I love that. And you're so, so right. Renee, it's been a pleasure and thank you for being part of leading you and for being such a fantastic leader yourself and also role modeling the way forward for so many people. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Julie here and I wanted to let you know I am taking a sneaky two-week break and getting a totally tech-free This is a great opportunity for you to listen in to episodes you might have missed. You might want to tune into the climate change episode with Liz Courtney or how to get off the conveyor belt with Alex Anseldo or even the power of self-belief with Robin Foister. But there is awesome episodes to tune into during the break and I look forward to seeing you back in August. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be in your ears then.